I'm good. It is the NFL Tournament Strategy Show for the final week of the NFL regular season. This is truly where champions are made. This is for the real grinders. This is not your typical NFL DFS slate. I find the, the last week of the season to be one of the more difficult slates to navigate, but certainly one that can be profitable if you keep up on the news. That's why we've got millionaire maker winner Neil Orfield here. He's going to help guide us through some of the news, trying to figure out exactly what we're going to be doing with this with this uh, week 18 slate. Show is sponsored by Jock Market, so thanks for them. If you guys are joining right now, do us a favor, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Neil, first ever week 18 of the NFL season, but basically what we usually get out of week 17. How do you approach this week? Because it's certainly different from other slates. Yeah, I think this is a week where you need to be paying attention to the narratives. You need to pay attention to what teams need, what players need. Uh, it's it's really interesting. I think there are probably games that we can just X out, and there are games that we need to focus on because they're more important. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be a fun one to break down. If you don't mind me asking, just right off the top, which teams do you think? And it doesn't have to be specific, but just kind of general overview. Which teams do you think are the most important to target and which teams do you think are the least appealing to target just based on where teams are in the, you know, the standings and whatnot? Uh, the Bills are definitely one that I'll be targeting. The Buccaneers, uh, the Cardinals, just looking through my list here. Um, uh, the Rams, Saints. The, the, the Colts are another one for me also. Yeah, Colts, uh, Patriots even, to a lesser extent, but uh, they're an interesting team at least. Um, yeah, I think those are some of them. I mean, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about more than just those ones. Um, the Titans also want to win. So, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of teams that we can be targeting. I mean, we, we maybe I'm overstating that there are a lot of games you can just avoid, but there are some that we can definitely eliminate and some that we're going to want to focus on more. And the NFL does a pretty good job in terms of the time that they put these games out. Cause we've seen in the past where it's like, Oh my God, this team wins, wins in the one o'clock game. This game doesn't matter for the four o'clock game because then this team has nothing to play for. But the NFL has done a pretty good job of the schedule. For instance, we've got the Patriots and the bills both start at four twenty tomorrow. So the reason that's relevant is because let's say there's a situation where the bills played early, they win all of a sudden the Patriots are eliminated from winning the division they have nothing to play for. But considering that some of the start times are set up where teams where the results of their games is impacted by, like the NFL tried to align those teams at the same time, which is going to be good in terms of motivation. We're not going to have these situations where it's like, oh my God, I have to late swap everything because now this team doesn't need to play at starters. I think that stuff is pretty well sorted out. Uh, anything else you want to just mention? And if, if it's nothing, that's okay also. Anything else about this slate that you want to mention before we get to the position by position? No, I just I, I want to say go Jags because I really want that kneel down game. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, that would that would certainly be fun. The Jacksonville Jaguars and who knows they could have Bill O'Brien coaching them next year apparently. Nice. Which hey, how do you, how do you improve an already crappy franchise? You you yeah. obviously go and add Bill O'Brien. And I saw somebody on Twitter say like why why are we not outraged how poorly run the Jaguars are because nobody gives a shit about the Jaguars nobody's paying attention they have no I have, fans I have one friend who's a really big Jaguars fan he's from Alaska and for some reason chose the Jaguars as his team and uh, yeah super excited about Trevor Lawrence but uh, I think he's I'm telling him that he needs to that they don't deserve his fandom at this point. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing, too, is, you know, it's, it's Alaska. They don't have internet there, computers, maybe. Right. I don't know. I'm not that familiar. But, you know, it's different It's different levels of technology, so they, they can't communicate with the outside world. Uh, let's get into some of the quarterbacks now to start. 
And one guy I want to ask you about just off the top is going to be Taysom Hill because it's a game that for the Saints, it's 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 more so that Taysom Hill just has so much individual ability from a fantasy quarterback. So I don't think he's any good for real life. We look at some of his fantasy totals last three starts, 27 DraftKings points, 26. Uh, he had a game with 17, one bad game against the Bucs, where only a nine, where there's not a lot of fantasy points scored. But he's relatively cheap this week, and due to his rushing upside, I do think he's a pretty safe play at quarterback, where it's a slate that's really difficult to find stacks. How do you feel about Taysom Hill? Because he is a quarterback I'm getting to quite a bit in my initial build. Yeah, so I haven't built anything yet, but he's definitely a quarterback that I will be targeting uh, in the boom bust tool. He looks great. We have him project for 6.9% ownership, but optimal 12% of the time. They need the win. Uh, he, you compare him with uh, Kamara. You compare him with Deontay Harris. Both of them also look great in the tools. Actually, Kamara doesn't look great in the tools. Deontay Harris looks great in the tools. Kamara, I also like uh, just because it's a game that they need to win. So the fact that they need to win, they're playing against the Falcons. I don't love that they're, it's a 40-point total for this game, um, but other than that, everything looks good. He's cheap enough. It's just a matter of will you run him out there naked or are you going to require a pass catcher? I think that for the most part, I'm going to require a pass catcher, but I'm going to include Kamara in that. Um, what do you think you're going to do as far as requiring pass catchers there? I don't need one. If I had to play one, Deontay Harris makes some sense. He's only 3,200, and we've seen him get some uh, games with substantial targets, five plus in three of the last four games. Two weeks ago against the Cowboys, he was targeted eight times. And also, he's so cheap on FanDuel and DraftKings, only 3,200 on DK. If I needed to roster a pass catcher with Taysom Hill, Deontay Harris would be the way to go. I don't have any issues with playing Taysom Hill naked, though. Uh, okay. As for Alvin Kamara, I'm not really getting too much in my initial build, and we're going to be talking about running backs in a second, but I still think it's relevant we're talking about stacking him with Taysom Hill, this has been a really disappointing fantasy season for Alvin Kamara. And it's kind of gone under the radar. Like, we're not talking about Alvin Kamara as a fantasy bust or anything. I think just because he stayed healthy and so many running backs got hurt. So the downside of Kamara is just that he hasn't performed well from a fantasy standpoint or a real-life standpoint. He's been really efficient running the football. On the positive side, Taysom Hill never targeted him in the passing game last year. He is this year. So that is something the Saints are doing more with Taysom Hill at quarterback. So I do view him as a viable stacking option with Taysom Hill. I just don't like him because of what his price point is and just the overall poor poor performances. Yeah, um, I, I want to add one thing. Uh, so Matt Zavoka mentioned this on a show that a Monday Night Football show that we did that he had started uh, researching rushing quarterbacks and how they correlate with their running backs. And he said that there is actually some positive correlation there. So even if even if they're not scoring touchdowns together, you know, there might be some positive correlation in Taysom Hill in and Elvin Kamara stacks together. Uh, I don't want to misquote Matt. I, I might not have it exactly right, but I believe he he suggested that there is some positive correlation with rushing quarterbacks and uh, their running backs. So something to factor in. Uh, there there might have been more to it than that, but I think that there is some positive correlation with Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara. And even, even if there's not, I guess, I guess we're not, we'll talk about running backs later, so I won't get into my Alvin Kamara thoughts uh, just yet. But yeah, I think, I think Taysom Hill makes a lot of sense. All right, so then tell me, who are the quarterbacks that do stand out to you the most? Taysom Hill at his price point is one for me. Uh, but who are some of the other quarterbacks potentially from games where their teams are looking to win? Are the quarterbacks you're looking to hone in on? Josh Allen. I mean, I think I think 
the field is going to get there. We're projecting for 12.6% ownership. He's optimal 11% of the time. So slight negative leverage there, pretty neutral, um, but he's going to be one of the safer quarterbacks on the slate playing against the jets. They should be able to put up a lot of points. Um, the only issue or, or one of the bigger issues is that it is a 16 point spread. So it could get out of hand pretty quickly, but I think he's going to be out there. He's going to be uh, playing well until they pull him, which I don't think they'll pull him until uh, the game is decided. So I think Josh Allen, I'm going to have a lot of interest in uh, Tom Brady. I have some interest in only project for 1.9% ownership currently, uh, but optimal 3.3% of the time the Buccaneers want to win. I think they're going to be uh, throwing him out there until the game is in hand. So I think Tom Brady is interesting. Kyler Murray, I really like 7,400 against the Seahawks defense that hasn't been that great this year. Uh, they should be going all out trying to win. We have not project for 13.4% ownership and only optimal 9.4% of the time. So slight negative leverage there, but it's still a game that, you know, they want to win. And I think that I'm going to be taking some shots there anyway. Uh, Matthew Stafford, I think, looks pretty good against the Niners. That should be a competitive game. We only have him project for 4.8% ownership. I think that they're going to be throwing a lot, trying to win the game. He's only 6,700. Um, and then I'll throw one more out in the in the top end before I uh, get your thoughts on these. I think Russell Wilson is sort of interesting. I don't really know what to make of Wilson in this game because they don't really have any incentive to win but i kind of think that they will be trying to win anyway uh, i just don't think that i see pete carroll russell wilson throwing it in so i think they're going to be trying to win the game against the cardinals and the cardinals might be putting up a lot of points so uh we only only have wilson project for 4.3 percent ownership optimal 3.6 percent of the time i think he's sort of interesting uh do you have any thoughts you want to add or uh reaction to any of those quarterbacks the first Russell Wilson did win Alex Baker a million dollars last week, which you and I had some extended talks about Russell Wilson. I was like, I don't know if I could trust this guy anymore. He only threw for 236 yards, but four touchdowns. So certainly the stacks ended up paying off pretty big there uh, for the low ownership there. I think it's about fair. I don't want to be, I don't know that I want to be that much different than the field on them. the high end guys. You mentioned Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, they look good. They're popping up in a bunch of my builds, but once again, the ownership's kind of already there on them. So it's not anything that I'm massively different on the guy that I like the most of the players you brought up is Matthew Stafford. And I was really high on Stafford last week. And I know that people were bashing on Twitter and be like, Oh, he's look at Stafford's been terrible down the stretch of the season to an extent. Yeah, that's true. He's certainly not playing nearly as well now as he was earlier in the season. But he scored over 20 fantasy points last week in the volumes there. He had 35 pass attempts, over 300 yards. We have a very obvious pass catching target to pair him with in Cooper Cup, where we know Cooper Cup needs, I forget what the exact numbers are, but it's like 13 receptions and 134 yards or something around there. 12 and 136, I want to say. But Okay. My, my yeah. bad. I said 134 <laughs> and we're on the road yeah. 136. But it, either way, it's very attainable numbers for Cooper Cup given his production this year. And I know Cooper Cup said in the me in the media that he feels kind of like, oh, it's that his record shouldn't count because he did it in 18 games and other players did it in 17 games. But with that said, the Rams still looking to win this game. And the optimal way to win the game is to get the ball to Cooper Cup. And everybody else on the Rams seems excited to get Cooper Cup the record, even if Cooper Cup isn't as much. So I, I look at Matthew Stafford as being somebody with a lower ownership that's worth getting to. Somebody else that's going to be pretty important to me is Tyler Huntley. Uh, matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the game that the Ravens are certainly looking to win. Lamar Jackson is once again out. Pretty disappointing end of the season for the Ravens because they looked like real Super Bowl contenders. Then Lamar Jackson gets hurt and just kind of the wheels fall off down the stretch here where it losses to Cleveland, losses to Green Bay, losses to the Rams. Difficult matchups, 
but still games that I think they would have had certainly a better chance to win if they had Lamar Jackson. And when you look at Tyler Huntley and his numbers, it's kind of like a poor man's Lamar Jackson where you're not getting the most efficient passing numbers, but pretty good rushing totals. So the last couple of weeks, seven carries for 54 yards. The week before that, 13 carries for 73 yards and a couple of touchdowns. So I look at Tyler Huntley pretty similarly to Taysom Hill, 5,700 for Huntley on DK, 6,200 for Taysom Hill. I don't need to, pa- to, to pair them with a pass catcher, although I certainly do like getting to, say, like Mark Andrews with Tyler Huntley. But the rushing upside for a cheap price, I think, unlocks a lot for this particular slate. Yeah, I think Tyler Huntley makes a lot of sense. We are projected for 8.4% ownership, so not getting out of hand there. Obviously, we're going to want to pay attention to where that goes tomorrow. But yeah, for 5,700, I think I think that's a good call. I didn't actually write him down on my sheet because uh, we currently have him projected for uh, optimal lineup rate of 0.1%, but that's obviously, uh, I think that was probably when they were assuming Lamar Jackson was in or something because it's going to be higher than that. So I think that's a good call. Yeah, so I think I do think I'd really like going cheaper at quarterback this week and maybe even willing to play more of the quarterbacks naked than I normally would. We've got these cheap QBs with a rushing upside, and then we have high-end targets that I really do like getting to. Cooper Cup, Jonathan Taylor will talk about when we get to running backs, and I think that's one of the easier ways to get to these guys is going cheap at QB. Is there anybody else at the position that you want to talk about here? Yeah, I mean, so I, I mentioned that I have some interest in Mac Jones. He's just projected for 2% ownership in a game that they're going to want to win. Uh, they're projected or their implied team total is 23.25. So on a slate where there's not going to be a lot of scoring, I think I have some interest there. Carson Wentz, um, did you You might have mentioned Carson Wentz earlier, but against the Jaguars in a must-win game, I think he's at least somewhat interesting. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, kind of the same boat, project for 7. Uh, 0% ownership, but 8.4% optimal in a game that they need to win. I have some interest there. Um, one place that I'm struggling is the Vikings-Bears game because both teams are eliminated, but I kind of am expecting them to just try to win. <laughs> so I have a little bit of interest in both Kirk Cousins and Andy Dalton, um, but you know, not, not in any massive way that I'm going to be going way over the field i don't think on either of them um and then matt ryan we have he looks great in the boom bus tool only projected for 0.8 percent ownership but optimal 5.1 percent of the time the falcons are eliminated matt ryan is the kind of player that you might expect to sit in a game where his team is eliminated in week 18 but uh we we are expecting him to play the full game against the saints so i might play a little bit of matt ryan as well so i don't have any lines with matt ryan in my current build he has not scored over 14 fantasy points since week nine. And that was a, a game against the Saints. But even with that said, the, the game this weekend, Saints, it's, it's a pretty low total at 40 points. There's only what is it, one game with a lower total on the slate. The only game lower is the, is the Cleveland Bengals game. That's where the Bengals are kind of expected to rest almost everybody there. So with that in mind, the low total in the game and just Matt Ryan not being effective as a fantasy quarterback as of late, it's hard for me to really see the upside, but he's he's less than 1% owned. So if you're saying you can get to a few shares of him to get overweight to the field, I don't have any real issue with that. I just don't think I'm going to be there personally. I don't, yeah, to be honest, I don't know that I will either. I just thought I had to mention him because he does, he's optimal 5.1% of the time currently. That's good enough that I feel like it's worth mentioning. I don't know if I'll get there. Um, maybe maybe just a few shares. Actually, I, one more that I want to add now, uh, Sam Darnold, just because DJ Moore looks so great in the tool, Sam Darnold also looks pretty good. Project for 1.4% ownership, optimal 5.3% of the time. I don't know. Do, do you think maybe they still want to see what they have in Sam Darnold to some extent? I mean, he, he hasn't played that many games this year uh, for the Panthers. So it's possible that they want to see what they have in him. The 
Buccaneers are playing to win, so they're probably going to be putting up a lot of points. Maybe the Panthers are also going to be throwing a lot, and Sam Darnold's only 5,000, can do a little bit with his legs. We have projected for 1.4% ownership, but he's optimal 5.3% of the time. Is he in the same boat as Matt Ryan for for you, or do you have a little bit more interest in Sam Darnold? More apt to get to Sam Darnold. Uh, I p- actually played him in a few, not like a massive amount, but I had like 3% Sam Darnold last week. It didn't go well, but it was 3%. Yeah. So whatever. You talked but, me into him too last week, by the way. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he was absolutely horrific last week. But on the positive side, he threw the ball 26 times. We know he was rushing upside. And just to reiterate some of the exact same things I said last week about him, he showed actual upside at the start of the year. You go back to week one to week four, he scored over 20 fantasy points four weeks in a row. He had was five rushing touchdowns over that stretch. So there is some upside there. There's an obvious stacking target in DJ Moore that I do like pairing him with. So I view him as more viable than Matt Ryan. Uh, I'm not sure that he's somebody who's going to ultimately make my player pool. Maybe some recency bias on my end that I shouldn't have because I looked at Sam Darnold as a good GPP play last week and he just sucks so hard that it's like, yeah, do I really want to go back there? Uh, but I, I think that I think you can make for me, I can make more of a case for Donald than I can for Matt Ryan. Yeah, I think I think so, too. I think I'd, I'm probably more likely to go to Sam Darnold than Matt Ryan. Um, uh, by the way, shout out to uh, the Davis Mills, who's in the chat and is very upset that we're not mentioning him. I'm not going to be rostering Davis Mills this <laughs> week, but he's he's looked marginally impressive to me this year. They've certainly gotten more out of him than we were anticipating. The Texans who were expected to be terrible this year. On the backs of our friends, Davis, on our friend uh, Davis Mills, who's uh, apparently a regular watcher of the program here. Who I hope he's liked the video and subscribed to the YouTube channel. I uh, good good year for you, buddy. You you've yeah. done better than I was expecting. The bar, the bar was very low, but you've you've certainly surpassed it. Uh, so we could jump on over to the running backs, but. A uh, quick shout out I want to mention, we are doing an Odd Shopper giveaway. If you guys check out the pin tweet that we have on the our Twitter handle, awesomeo underscore com on Twitter, check the pin tweet. We do have an opportunity to win a free month of Awesomeo Plus Platinum. Also, shout out to sports betting is now legal in New York. If you guys are looking to get into sports betting, check out Odd Shopper, which is a free tool we have to use over at Awesomeo and is a really useful way to identify some of the best prop bets that are available for football and basketball. We'll have other sports add to that soon. But for right now, we've got really useful tools. We've got projected odds of winning, percentage ROI projected uh, based on our basketball and football projections, and really useful tools that I've used to bet on props as well. All right, heading on over to the running backs. And I think here's where the position kind of starts with me at the top end with Jonathan Taylor. If I have the ability to spend up for anybody this week, I'm it's going to be Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup to an extent as well, but at least for the running back position, I think I'm going to be able to fit Cup and Taylor into some lineups, even though they're expensive together because there's so much value on this slate. There's cheap quarterbacks I like getting to. There's cheap pass catchers, some cheaper running backs. So Jonathan Taylor in a game that the Colts need to win. To Well, they don't need, they could lose and still make the playoffs, but they would ideally like to win. That's the easiest route for them to get into the playoffs. And I think we could see Jonathan Taylor just touch the ball like 30 times this game, seal the win, easy matchup against the Jaguars. How are you handling Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to be playing a lot of Jonathan Taylor too. I mean, it's it's a must-win game. 22% projected ownership, but he's optimal 24.6% of the time. So the field is getting there, uh, which makes sense because they're playing the Jaguars and he's the best running back in the game right now, probably. Um, so the field's getting there. I'm getting there too. I'm probably going to be overweight to the field if the field really does come in at 22% ownership. He's just high floor, high ceiling. Yeah. What, what more do you really need to say? I think Jonathan Taylor makes a lot of sense in a must win game this week. 
Yeah. And that's something else with this week where you're talking about at the top. And I don't even know if you put this in the conversation of narrative. I guess it does. But the reality is it's week 18. Most teams fate to this point already decided. A lot of teams are in the playoffs, locked in the seating. A lot of teams have already been knocked out of the playoffs. And I do put a little more weight into players on teams that need a win just because I don't have concerns about workloads. I don't have concerns that, oh, we're going to get to halftime. And, you know, the situation with like the, the Packers playing against the Lions, where at first Malfour was like, hey, Aaron Rodgers wants to play. But then he's like, but we don't know how much we're going to play him. It's a total crapshoot for me. I don't know what to expect from that situation. Where somebody like Jonathan Taylor, I think we could feel pretty good about his workload. Uh, who are some of the other running backs that you're trying to build around? Yeah. So, uh, Elvin Kamara, I mentioned him earlier. He doesn't look that great in the boom bust tool, only projected for to be in the optimal lineup 2.8% of the time. And he's projected for 8.1% ownership. So he is a negative leverage play in the tools. I think this is a situation where I am going to go a little bit against the tools, just because, like you said, I take I, I get a little more confidence in players in must-win games and the Saints need to win this week. And they're playing against the Falcons, which is a pretty weak defense. So I'm just I'm going to take shots that they're going to use their best player. They don't always, but I think that it makes some sense that at 8,300 is a $1,000 discount on Jonathan Taylor. Um, so I'm going to be taking some shots on Elvin Kamara. I'm probably going to be overweight to the field, even though he's negative leverage. And it's probably going to bite me because it usually does when I go against the tools, but, uh, but I'm going to try it anyway. Um, Delvin cook, I think I'll go to against the bears. Like I said, so you can't have as much confidence in this one because they have no incentive to win. But I don't really think that Mike Zimmer is the kind of coach who is not going to play his best players, especially because he's almost certainly going to be fired either way after this game. Um, I think that he's going to be playing for his future in the NFL to some extent. And I think he's just a competitive coach. So um, I think I think both the Vikings and the Bears most likely are going to be playing to win, which means Delvin Cook should get a full workload. I'm not as confident as I am with uh, Taylor and Camaro that he's going to get a full workload, but 7,800 against the Bears. I really like Dalvin Cook projected for 18.4% ownership, but optimal 21.4% of the time. Um, Najee Harris, I have some interest on the top end. Uh, he is negative leverage as well, but it's again a, must, a must-win game to have any shot of making the playoffs for the Steelers. Project for 13% ownership, but optimal 8.4% of the time. Not great, but I'm still going to be taking some shots there. Um, those those are the kind of the guys at the very top end above 7,000 that I have interest in. Do you have any thoughts on those guys or anybody else you want to add? Yeah, so the, um, the, the other thing that I want to mention when it comes to Dalvin Cook is on the other side of the game, David Montgomery, who I actually prefer a little bit to Dalvin Cook, we kind of have coaches in similar situations. We're expecting Nagy and Zimmer to both be fired. That seems like the most likely outcome for both these guys. Nagy, remember it got reported like on Thanksgiving, he was fired. And he just, it was like a, nope. uh, like a George Costanza thing. He just kept showing up and, and he's like, no, I work here. Because it, we've, got, we've seen multiple reports over the course of the year that the Bears are about to fire Nagy. And here we are week 18, he's still coaching them. But he's very clearly trying to win games and is trying to keep his job. And if you look at the workload for Dave Montgomery, this is a team that we've known isn't going to make the playoffs still. Two weeks ago against the Seahawks, David Montgomery, 21 carries and nine targets in the passing game last week against the Giants, 22 carries, two targets in the passing game, in a game that was a total blowout. The, the Bears were up 29-3. to three. The Giants were never competitive in that game. Montgomery still played a pretty hefty workload. So I feel pretty good about Montgomery this week at a – upper mid-tier price point on DraftKings and FanDuel. So I like getting to him as my favorite mid-range running back. And, you know, you have to be a little bit 
not comfortable feeling when when you have a game and just a team that doesn't matter at all with a running back, but it doesn't seem like that's going to slow down Montgomery considering the Bears haven't been playing for anything for a while and they're still giving him big touches. Yeah, I mean, theoretically, at least, teams that have been eliminated, that have we've known for a little while are not going to make the playoffs, you can kind of read into what they're going to do more than the teams that were just eliminated last week. And the Bears are an example of that, where they we've kind of known that they're not going to make the playoffs. So, yeah, I think that makes some sense to go to David Montgomery. He doesn't look great in the boom-bust tool, projected for 16% ownership, but optimal 4.8% of the time. I think that'll change by, by tomorrow. Um, you know, these things, I think, change kind of a lot on the Saturday before before the slate actually happens. So I think we could see uh, Montgomery's optimal percentage go up throughout the day. I, I think that he's definitely a, a safer play on the slate at 6,800. Um, so I like that call as well. Yeah, uh, so that's where I kind of feel. I, it's, it's really hard for me to get behind Dalvin Cook, and maybe I'm reading too much into last week's game because that game was not remotely comp- competitive and Cousins was out but only carried the ball nine times. So that is something that gives me a little bit of pause when it comes to how many touches Dalvin Cook is going to get. Uh, Then there's other guys in the mid-range that I think are pretty solid looking as well. Uh, Devin Singletary, he's seen an uptick in touches as of late. And we know the Bills traditionally have been a team that hasn't run the ball that much. They've really been more pass first, but still 23 carries for Devin Singletary last week. Three weeks ago, he had 22 carries. I think he's in the mix in the mid-range. Same goes for Sony Michelle. We've seen him play a really substantial role ever since uh, Daryl Henderson got hurt. I know that Cam Akers is going to be in the mix this week, but I don't think in any kind of substantial way does does his activation and the fact that he's expected to be on the field impact how you view Michelle at all? No, I don't think so for this week. I've been drafting him like crazy in uh, playoff best ball because I think that by the playoffs he might have more run, but it, I, I would be kind of surprised to see him come back and have a real workload in his first week back. So, yeah, I think I'm going to be playing some Sony Michelle who looks great in the tools, project for 13.7% ownership, optimal 18.2% of the time. And he's been playing well, so why would they go away from Sony Michelle right now unless they really think the Cam Akers is fully back and is the better back? There's, I guess, some possibility there, but I don't think it's the most likely scenario. I think I'm going to be treating Sony Michelle like he's the main back for this week. Um, I agree with you. Devin Singletary looks great. Um, James Conner, if he is in, looks great. It's just uh, he's questionable. He's projected for 11.6% ownership, optimal 19% of the time, must win game. He's only 6,300. Chase Edmonds is out. So I think James Conner is the kind of guy who, if he's playing, I think James Conner is going to look really great. If he's not, then I think I'll have interest in, you know, Benjamin, I think would be the next man up. Uh, Do you think you're going to be playing any Cardinals running back? That's going to depend on some of the news here. Uh, I kind of think that James Conner is more likely to play than sit this week. Obviously, if he's out, there's no Chase Edmonds, so that would change things. But it, it's kind of a, a fence-sitting answer here. But my gut feeling is that Conner ends up playing. If he doesn't, then yes. Okay. So if he does not play, then you'll have more interest in Eno Benjamin than you would in James Conner if he does play. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. So right now, you know, Benjamin, you know, only 4,000 on, on DK. And obviously that's a really cheap price point. I think he's going to get the bulk of the carries if Connor is out, but my expectation is that Connor plays. And this is a game that the Cardinals have a chance to win the division if they win today's game. So I think they would prioritize number one Connor pretty heavily, but I also think they would give Kyler Murray a pretty big workload, both in the run game and then possibly upping his pass attempts too. Now that we've seen him back for a little bit. So if Connor plays, I don't think I'm going to really be getting to Benjamin, but certainly will if Connor's out. Okay. Yep. I think I'm in the same boat. I think I'm going to be playing some Connor too if he if he does play. 
And I feel like we need to talk about Antonio Gibson, yes. who looks really great in the tools. Um, I suspect that his ownership is going to come up. Currently projected for 15.6% ownership, but optimal 31.9% of the time. Uh, did you already mention Gibson when you're going? No, your... no, no. He hasn't okay. brought up in YouTube chat at all. So okay. I was actually just about to, uh, to, to ask you what your take was on him anyway, because, and I think you're about to hit on some of these points, but here's yeah. the, here's the difficulty with Antonio Gibson. Why he's one of these players is really difficult to project. He's been really good from a fantasy perspective this year. And he's been pretty consistent too. You know, there's been a lot of games where he scored fantasy points in the teens, low twenties around there. He's been a moderate upside guy with a really high floor this year involved in the running game. He's also seen more involvement in the passing game as of we, as of late, uh, six or more targets in three of the last five games. And then even the games where it didn't, it was four targets last week, but the game means nothing for Washington. And that is definitely something that gives me a little bit of pause, especially because he's been, you know, he's been banged up down the stretch of the season. He missed last week. He was on the COVID list. So I'm not confident what his workload is going to look like. Last time we saw him active, he only had six carries. So I get that he looks good in the tools. I get that we project him really well. I just think his volume is very, very difficult to figure out. Yeah, so I think I'm in the same boat as you. I also think that his projected ownership is going to go up. I think that uh, I've, I've heard him getting steamed elsewhere. Yeah, you love the matchup. You love the price tag. Ron Rivera has said that he wants to get younger players involved, which I think a lot of people are taking literally, and they're interpreting that and saying, well, Antonio Gibson is a second-year player. That means that he should be really involved. But I kind of think he really means more inexperienced players. He's going to see what they have in players that aren't sure things starters going forward. I, he could mean it literally. And if he does mean it literally, then yeah, Antonio Gibson should have a full workload. But I think I'm kind of expecting or, or at least anticipating the possibility of they're going to be getting Jared Patterson and some of the less experienced players involved rather than the actual younger players. Um, and also, as I'm saying this, I think Antonio Gibson is actually older than I'm thinking that he is, right? Isn't he older than like, I feel like he's actually on the older side of a second year player. Anyway, that's uh, an aside. But yeah, so he looks great. Project for 15.6% ownership. Optimal 31.9% of the time is what we have in the tools currently. So currently we are projecting him to have a full workload. I'm going to get to some Antonio Gibson for sure, just because 5,800 against the Giants, if he gets a full workload, he's in a smash spot. I'm going to love it. It's just, I have some reservations as well. I don't think I'm going to be getting too crazy like I normally would on a player that's 15.6% projected ownership and optimal 31.9% of the time. Normally I would try to go well over that 31.9% number. I don't think I'm going to be doing that in this case. Yeah, it's, uh, by the way, Antonio Gibson is 23. Uh, it's going to be really funny because there's going to be players that are going to be really popular that just don't end up playing this week. Like, there's going to be guys who it's like, oh, this guy's 25% on to running back and he has four carries for 12 yards. And yep. that just kind of comes with the territory of week 18. Uh, looking at all the running backs as a whole, is there anybody you think you will be getting to a good amount of that we've not talked about yet? Um, I'm going to have some Rex Burkhead. Uh, and he, he's a narrative play for the most part. Uh, they're playing against the Titans too. So, uh, you know, the Titans have been, I think, a little bit better defensively recently. Earlier in the year, they were not that great. But yeah, 5,200, he's going to be the featured running back most likely. It looks good in the tool, uh, project for 3.5% ownership, optimal 4.5% of the time. And then he needs 103 total yards to get a bonus in this game. And I think that that's something that I'm factoring in a little bit, that they're at least going to try to get him there. I don't think that, you know, these, these bonuses... I don't know how far teams are really going to go out of their way to get their players bonuses, but they might, you know, have a little bit of incentive to at least try to get them going on, 
uh, going early on. And if he's doing well, they'll keep going to him to try to get him there. And if he doesn't do well, then maybe they'll give up. But it's something to keep in mind. I think I'm going to get there. And, and he looks good in the tools anyways. As I said, 4.5% uh, optimal lineup rate. Nick, you're going to play any Burkhead? Uh, a little bit. And he, we've seen, I mean, the upside is for sure there. I mean, we've seen it as recently as, what was it, two weeks ago where he had that big game? Yeah. Two weeks ago, he had 22 carries for 149 yards. We know he's capable in the in the passing game as well. He was targeted six times last week, called in all six of them for 32 yards. He's played a really big role for the Texans over the last four games now. 11, 11 carries, four targets, 16 carries, three targets, 22 carries, two targets last week, 16 carries, six targets. Yeah, I think it makes sense. He's still he's still cheap on FanDuel and DraftKings. A little more favorable on DK because of the PPR bonus. Uh, and also, I think this game script sets up fairly well for them to be dumping the ball off to him. Uh, so, yeah, I don't I don't see any issue with getting to him in my current build. I'm overweight to the field. We have him projected for 3% ownership. I have around 10 right now. So I, I think that he's a pretty good GPP target. Okay. Uh, and then I would add in uh, Deontay Foreman, 5,700 against the Texans in a must-win game. You think that they the Titans should be able to run all over the Texans, so I kind of like Deontay Foreman uh, in the optimal lineup, nine point four percent of the time, but projected for twelve point four percent ownership. So slight negative leverage there, but I'm going to get to some. I think that he's one of the safer plays. Should have some workload. Maybe it's not that safe because they do have a couple other running backs that they like to work in, but um, I think that they should be running the ball a fair amount against the Texans. Keyshawn Vaughn with both Rojo and Fournette out in a game that I think they're going to be trying to win. I have some interest there at 5,300 um, against the Panthers. Currently looks terrible in the tools, but I think that's going to be, I think that's going to change with some updates. Um, project for 10% ownership, uh, but optimal 0.4% of the time. Am I wrong? Do you think that's going to change as well? I'm, I'm assuming that the optimal lineup is going to come up from 0.4%. Yeah, I think the last run of the boom bust to one, by the way, because people are asking about it, the, the way the tools are on the site, we could only have one slate displayed at once. So as soon as the Saturday slate locks, we'll have all the numbers up there for the Sunday slate. Neil and I have access to some of the backend information with the data, but it'll be there before the end of the day. Have have no worries about all of the ownership and projections and all of that for, for the Sunday slate. But as for Keyshawn Vaughn, yeah, I do think it's going to come up once it accounts for Ronald Jones being ruled out. And he's looked fairly good when he's been carrying the football this year. He's been pretty efficient. We saw two weeks ago, I think seven carries for 70 yards and a touchdown. He's probably ran the ball better than Ronald Jones has in the games where they've both been active. So I think there's certainly opportunity there. And even with the Bucs guys out, it's still a good offense. It's a matchup against the Carolina team that after a good start to the season has totally fallen apart. So I think this certainly makes sense as a spot where we could see the Bucs get up and Keyshawn Vaughn with the Buccaneers being shorthanded end up carrying the ball with them, you know, 15, 16 times and he ends up being pretty effective. Nice. Okay. Glad we're on the same page there. The only other one that I'm going to mention, because I know we need to move on, uh, Eli Mitchell, I have some interest in just because it's a must-win game for the 49ers to make the playoffs. They're playing against the Rams. Should be a competitive game. He's 6,000. We do have him protect for 9.6% ownership. So the field is getting there, but I think that he's a play that, you know, you can count on him probably getting a full workload. So I think I'm going to have some interest in Eli Mitchell as well. All right. Then we can move on over to the wide receivers. But first... Shout out to the presenting sponsor of this show, Jock Market. If you guys are not familiar with Jock Market, this is a totally different way to play daily fantasy sports. There's no salary cap. You don't have to worry about positions or lineup constructions. It's basically a stock market for athletes. So there's an IPO period where you bid on the players. 
And then after the slate locks, you're still able to buy and sell shares of players. You don't have to do it, but it certainly is a fun way to play DFS. Totally different. We do some shows on it uh, after NBA Live before lock once or twice a week. We're doing we're doing some buying and selling of players as the games are going on. And Eric and I are watching the games. Eric's tilting his face off. And it's fun. You guys should check those out and watch them from time to time. Also, we guys should do if you're signing up at Jock Mark for the first time, download the app and sign up using the promo code Awesome. You get up to a $50 bonus on your first deposit. Also, Jock Mark is a first market guarantee. So if you're playing for your first time on Jock Market, they'll refund any losses on your first NFL or NBA slate up to $100. So you get that $50 deposit bonus, you get $100 right there, and then you're playing with it for free on your first slate. So certainly good ways to take advantage and check out Jock Market. Moving on to the wide receiver position. And let's start by talking about Cooper Cup. And like I said before, there's enough value on the slate that I get that Cooper Cup is pricey on FanDuel and DraftKings. There's the narrative there about him potentially being able to break the single season receptions and yardage records. Given that there are cheaper players we get to, I don't think it's all that difficult to get to Cooper Cup this week. One question I'll ask you, though, if you could only roster one of Jonathan Taylor or Cooper Cup in a single entry lineup, who would be your priority for this week? I think it would be Jonathan Taylor. Um, he looks a lot better in the tools. He's positively leveraged. Cooper Cup is negatively leveraged. So I think if I had to choose one, it would probably be Taylor against the Jaguars. Um, but like you said, you can you can probably play both of them, and I'm going to be doing a fair amount of that as well. Who would you choose between the two of them? It's Taylor for me this week on both slates, uh, both sites. You remember last week I'd said I prefer Jonathan Taylor on FanDuel. I prefer Cooper Cup on DraftKings. For this week, even though the game does matter for the Rams and we do still have that narrative when it comes to Cooper Cup, the, the Colts really need to win. If the Rams don't win this game, it's not the end of the world. They're still in the playoffs. They're still a fairly high seed. The Colts can miss the playoffs entirely if they don't win this game. And the matchup against the Jaguars is really easy. The Jaguars have nothing to play for. The Rams are playing a fairly competent defense in the San Francisco 49ers who also need a win this weekend. So just look at the matchup as being so much easier for Jonathan Taylor that he could go absolutely nuts this week, and it wouldn't shock me whatsoever. So I'm going to be trying to get to both of them, but a little bit higher priority for me on Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. And they both are playing for incentives. Uh, they're both so somewhat unrealistic. I mean, not not unrealistic, but they're uh, they would both have to have ceiling games to reach their incentives. Jonathan Taylor needs 266 yards to get to 2,000 for the season. Pretty unlikely. I don't think that it's something they're going to be forcing in a must-win game, but they might be going to Jonathan Taylor anyway, so it's possible. And then Cooper Cup needs 12 receptions for the reception record and 136 receiving yards for the receiving yard record. Do you factor that in at all? That that they need these uh, these incentives. To an extent, I think it, it, here's why it's really hard. Some teams really prioritize it and try to get the players, those receptions, the targets, whatever, you know, the Antonio Brown situation that could have been based on incentives last week. That was one of the most bizarre things we've ever seen. Like Antonio Brown is a chalk play on the slate and he takes his clothes off and leaves in the middle of the game and just goes home. Uh, so, you know, maybe that was something that played into the the narrative of the contract center, but it worked the other way. He was like, I want to get these bonuses and you aren't giving me the ample amount of targets to get them. Screw you guys, I'm going home. And so it's just one of these things where I think you can look at it in hindsight and be like, based on the results, it seems obvious after the fact. It's hard for me to put too much weight into it beforehand. Uh, so the, the, the short answer is, I don't know. And I think it's I think it's a case by case basis, and it's hard to project ahead of time. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Um, I, I do factor it in sometimes, but I don't always. So so for me, it's uh, the the 
ones that are more realistic. So Stefan Diggs needing six receptions for a $1.5 million bonus. I'm factoring that in. I think they're more likely to try to get Stefan Diggs the ball to force feed in the ball a little bit more, even in a must win game, just because that is within the realm of possibility. I mean, it, it's likely that he gets there anyway. I think it's less likely that he doesn't get to six receptions now because he has his bonus on the line than it would be in some random game where things could just get away from them. They might just, you know, start running the ball out at the end. I think if he has four receptions in the fourth quarter and they're up three touchdowns, I think they leave him out there to let him get to six receptions. But in general, a lot of these, especially the ones that are more unrealistic, I don't really factor them in at all because I don't think, I don't think that there's any way that the Colts are like, well, we need to win this game, but it's also really important that we get Jonathan Taylor to 266 rush yards. So um, yeah, I think I, I factor them in a little bit, but it's not something that I really prioritize except for in the cases where a player is really close then I think I factor it in a little bit more yeah I mean it mattered to me a little bit for Cooper Cup last week and he's still I mean Cooper Cup just plays well every week so I've like I've tried to get to Cooper Cup every single week the entire season that's never gonna it's it's never anything that's really any different uh here's somebody that I just kind of like in general this week we talked about him a little bit before and I think you're going to be on the same page DJ Moore and I get that he was not great last week from a production standpoint. He had three catches for 29 yards. But you look at the targets for him, eight targets. And even with some of the poor quarterback play for the Panthers, uh, between Cam Newton and Sam Donald being in and out, P.J. Walker has taken snaps at times. We've seen a lot of targets go to D.J. Moore. Last handful of games, 10, 10, 11, 11, eight targets. I like that kind of volume on a guy who's relatively low-owned, at least lower-owned than I think he should be. And with a reasonable price point on both DraftKings and FanDuel, I really like DJ Moore in mid-range. At the very least, we're going to win a lot of Sklansky bucks. I'm going to be <laughs> playing DJ Moore too. Yeah, he's projected for 13.7% ownership, but he's optimal 26.8% of the time. I really like that in a game that they don't have any incentive to win, but they have shown us that they're going to keep playing anyway. So I think they're going to be trying to put up a fight against the Buccaneers and they're going to need to put up points to keep up with the Buccaneers most likely. So yeah, I think DJ Moore is, he's one of the most positively leveraged wide receivers on the slate for sure. Um, I don't know if he's the top, but I'm definitely going to be getting to there a good amount. Yeah, I think so in the current build I have, he's my most rostered wide receiver. And I think there's a pretty good chance that ends up holding uh, into tomorrow. How are you handling some of these other high price wide receivers? They're picking up some ownership. We've got, you know, AJ Brown is expected to have double digit ownership. Justin Jefferson is projected for over 20% ownership. How, how do you look at some of these guys who AJ Brown, the game matters, Justin Jefferson, the game doesn't matter, but he's obviously supremely talented. Are there any high other high end wide receivers outside of Cooper cup that you're going to try to prioritize? Yeah, so another one that I have some interest in, even though he doesn't look great in the tools, is Debo Samuel. So similar to Alvin Kamara, I just I like that they need to win the game, um, and he 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 plays a little bit better with Jimmy G. I like that. Um, we don't really know if they're going to use him like a wide receiver or like a running back, but we know that they want to get him involved either way, right? So I think that I. I'm going to be playing probably over the field in Debo Samuel, even though he's only optimal currently in the boom bust tool, 3.6% of the time. I just, I think that it's, even though I don't know how it's going to happen, I think they're going to try to get him involved uh, in a must win game. So I think that I really like uh, Debo Samuel. I'm going to get over the field there. Um, Justin Jefferson, as you mentioned, uh, yeah, they don't have any incentive to win, but I think they're going to be playing to win anyway, most likely. Um, and He's a pretty neutral play, project for 20% ownership, optimal 19.5% of the time. My guess is that I'm going to be close to the field on Justin Jefferson. 
Um, just the, the Bears defense is vulnerable. I like him. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I really like the Bills this week. Um, they're not, they're going to be without Emmanuel Sanders. So they're going to be condensed. They're usually condensed to about three receivers and a tight end. Stefan Diggs, I think is uh, obviously, as we're talking about the top end receivers, Stefan Diggs looks good. He looks good in the tools, 9.6% protected ownership, optimal 10.4% of the time. As I mentioned, he needs six receptions for a $1.5 million bonus. So I'm, I'm factoring that in. I'm not factoring in as much. He also needs 231 receiving yards for a, another $1.5 million bonus. If you want to factor that in, go ahead. I think that he's a really solid play either way because I think that they they need to win this game. Stefan Diggs is their best receiver. Um, I, I think that he is a really solid play against the Jets. Uh, and then Mike Evans, I think, also looks pretty good. I mentioned earlier, I'm going to play some Tom Brady. I think that they're going to want to win the game. Mike Evans is their clear alpha receiver. Project for 3.1% ownership, optimal 7.6% of the time. He also needs 54 receiving yards to get to 1,000 receiving yards for the eighth straight year. Um, he already has the record there in number of years in a row uh, with 1,000 receiving yards. I think they're going to get him there. Um, and I, I'm, I'm expecting them to play this game to win. I don't know that that's a sure thing, but I'm going in expecting the Bucks to try to win this game. So I think I'm going to play some Mike Evans as well. Um, and then just, I'll cut off at 7,000, I guess. Yes, I also have interest in A.J. Brown in a must-win game against the Texans. Uh, I think I'll, I'll be going there a fair amount as well. He's projected for 12.4% ownership, optimal 14.7% of the time. So yeah, I have interest there as well. Any of those players that you want to highlight or that you're eliminating from your pool? Um, I'm a little skeptical on Debo Samuel, just where the price is. And to your point, are they going to get him the ball? Yeah, for sure. It seems like they're going to do it one way or another. I just hate the games where it's like, Hey, Debo Samuel gets two targets. We're going to run the ball with them eight times. And then and it's like, well, I hope, I, I hope two of those eight go for touchdowns. We've seen him get there in that, in that manner a couple of times this year. But I look at some of those games in hindsight, it's like, was Debo Samuel really a good play? when he was 8,000 and he had two targets, he caught one of them for 16 yards. And then he had six carries for 66 yards and two touchdowns. I just think a lot of his games have been unsustainable this year. I think he's super talented, but the, just the quarterback situation hasn't been ideal for the 49ers. So I don't know that I'm going to really be able to prioritize Debo Samuel. If I'm spending all the way up for wide receiver, I just rather go to Cooper cup. I'm on board with you with Mike Evans though. Cause you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers situation and obviously no Antonio Brown anymore. There's no more Chris Godwin. They just don't have that many guys to throw to. So I think Gronk is going to have to play a decent role. I think Mike Evans is going to have to. And then starting to transition to talk about some of the value wide receivers, I look into Cyril Grayson, and he's somebody who was obviously not anybody that any of us had really heard of coming into the era. Like Matt Kajewski, I'm sure he knew who he was and knew, you know, where he went to high school, knew who he was because Matt knows everything about football. But most of us didn't know who Steele Grayson was. And last week, he became a primary target for Tom Brady after Antonio Brown took his clothes off and went home. So Steele Grayson last week, eight targets, caught six of them for 81 yards, including a game-winning touchdown pass. I think he's earned himself a significant role on this team. He's cheap on Fandle, he's cheap on DraftKings, and there's opportunity on Tampa Bay. I think they're going to want to get looks at some of these wide receivers just so they know who they want to play to replace these guys in the playoffs because these are massive losses for the Buccaneers. This is a team that was probably the deepest of wide receiver of any team in the league. And then in just the span of a few weeks, they lose Antonio Brown because he's crazy. They lose Chris Godwin to a torn ACL. Those are big voids to fill. And I think they're going to be looking at somebody like Cyril Grayson this week just to see what they have there. 
So after the kind of volume he got last week, I like him as a value option. Yep. I like Cyril Grayson as well. I think he's probably their number two receiver at this point, 4,400 projected for 2.3% ownership, optimal 4.3% of the time. He's one of our more positively leveraged plays on the slate, even though he's only optimal 4.3% of the time. I just, I think they're playing to win. I think that uh, he's probably going to play either way, just uh, a young receiver that they're trying to see what they have in him. So I really like Cyril Grayson this week. Um, Other cheaper options that I like, I'm interested in both Gabe Davis and Cole Beasley. Um, Currently, Gabriel Davis doesn't look great in the tools because we have Emmanuel Sanders in. But once that updates, I imagine he's going to look pretty good. We'll have to see where the ownership comes in at. But just without Emmanuel Sanders, we know that these are the three guys they're going to be going to. Stefan Diggs, Gabriel Davis, <laughs> Cole Beasley. And Gabriel Davis is only 4,900, I believe. And Cole Beasley is 4,800. So I think that they are both really solid plays uh, in the lower mid-range, I think, uh, in, in a game that the Bills are trying to win. I really like both of Beasley and Davis. Um, looking at other cheaper options, I might play some Julio Jones. Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't look that great in the tools. He's let me down every time I've played him for the past two <laughs> years, but, <laughs> but I might, I might go back there anyway in a must win game, um, and hope that he doesn't pull his hamstring on the first drive this time. Um, just because he's only 5,000 and I'm still buying into the upside, even though he hasn't shown it in so long, uh, maybe I'll play some Julio Jones. Um, I mentioned that I like the Patriots a little bit as a stack. I think both Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar look really interesting to me in a Mac Jones stack in particular, and then I'll, I'll probably play them as one-offs here and there as well. Um, the Patriots really have some incentive to play. They could be anywhere from the number one seed to the number six or seven seed, so they're going to want to win this game. Uh, Kendrick Bourne project for 0.7% ownership, but optimal 3.9% of the time, and then Nelson Aguilar project for 2.3% ownership, but optimal 5.5% of the time at 3,400. I have a lot of interest there. Um, mentioned we mentioned Deontay Harris earlier. He looks really good in the tools against the Falcons at 3,200. Project for 2.6% ownership, but optimal 8.6% of the time. Uh, I, I know that we're running out of time, so I, I won't go through everybody, but I like the Cardinals receivers, Kirk, AJ Green. I like Terry McLaurin looks really good this week. Uh, Michael Pittman, I think, looks good. I mentioned I like Carson Wentz. I'll probably pair him with Michael Pittman. Um, Claypool, Ray Ray McLeod, both look pretty solid. Uh, Allen Robinson looks really good in the tools against the Vikings at 4,000. Any others that you want to touch on before we move on? No, I think we hit on most of the ones that we got to. If I'm going cheap at wide receiver, my favorite options are Deontay Harris, uh, DJ Moore in the mid-range, talked about him, or like I just talked about, Cyril Grayson. I think he's somebody good to take shots on given the lack of depth in the Tampa Bay receiving core with their uh, current situation. So moving on to tight ends now and – I don't feel very good about the tight end position this week. I like Zach Ertz with DeAndre Hopkins out. I think we could sit, we could continue to see him play a bigger role. Massive amount of targets for Zach Ertz as of late. Last three games, 11 targets, 13 targets, 9 targets. He's my favorite tight end on the slate by a pretty wide margin. He's somebody who's going to make it into a lot of my lineups. Other than that, if I'm paying up, I like getting to George Kittle. We know he's had massive upside. Rob Gronkowski, a lot of the same reason we like some of those other Tampa receivers. They're just shorthanded on pass catchers. And I think some of those extra targets go to Gronk. So those are the three guys I really like at tight end. Zach Ertz, George Kittle, Rob Gronkowski. Then just going to be a lot of guys that I have in like five, six, seven percent of lineups. So those are kind of the core guys for me. Do you disagree with any of those guys? Or is there anybody else you want to add to that group of core tight end plays? 
Yeah, so I, I agree with you on all of those guys. They all look great. Gronk, we mentioned earlier, has a lot of incentives, needs seven receptions, needs 85 uh, receiving yards, and needs three touchdowns. Those are all three separate uh, incentives that he has for $500,000 each. I think that they might try to get Gronk at least the seven receptions one. So I think Gronk is probably my favorite. Kittle in a must-win game. Yeah, I really like him. Um, you like Huntley, uh, Mark Andrews, I think is a, you mentioned that he's a fine pairing stack with Huntley. You could also play him individually. They need to win the game. He is probably their best receiving option. So I have some interest there. And then Kyle Pitts is the one that I'm really kind of intrigued by. Looks really good in the tools. Uh, he is 5,700 against the saints. They're eliminated, but we have him in the tools projected for 3.9% ownership, but optimal 9% of the time. And he also needs 59 receiving yards for the rookie tight end receiving yard record and i i kind of think that they might try to get there with kyle pitts i mean he's just I, that that's one that i kind of buy into that they might have a little bit of extra incentive to try to get him that uh rookie receiving yard for a tight end record and and 59 is attainable and also would be really nice so i think that uh i mean assuming it comes with some receptions there so kyle pitts is one that i would add to that group and then pat firemuth 4600 against the ravens in a must win game project for 3.8 percent ownership but optimal 9.2 percent of the time i would add him as somebody that is in my core um but yeah i think i think that pretty much does it for my core yeah, I could see the logic for Pitts. I'm a little concerned though with all of the all they have invested him in in draft capital and how they want him for the future. And he's not healthy right now. He's dealing with a hamstring issue, and uh, okay. we know how we I know how that. hamstring <laughs> yeah we know how hamstring issues have treated the Falcons and Julio Jones over the years. Something you already said. Uh, you hope that Julio Jones doesn't pull his head. Like Julio Jones had a million hamstring injuries during the time he was in Atlanta. I'm a little concerned that Kyle Pitts feels good enough to play. And they okay. get him to the yards worse, and they just immediately take him off the field. I think that's something that's in play. So I'm not really getting to Kyle Pitts right now just because some of those concerns also, uh, almost like a narrative that works against him, where it's like, hey, this is a specific number we need to get to him, which would be nondescript for fantasy. You know, right. whatever. You get him to 60 yards, he's over. It's like, all right, cool. He had five catches for 60 yards and just kind of an okay outcome. He's somewhat expensive. So I'm not sure I'm going to be getting to him. Okay. Uh, but. Yeah, Mark Andrews uh, as a target to pair with Tyler Huntley. I, I certainly think that's sensible. Okay. Yeah, I think that those are valid concerns about Kyle Pitts. I had I had missed the the hamstring injury, but yeah, that is definitely something that you know they're probably more concerned about his long term uh, outlook than just getting him the record. So I factored in a little bit. I'm going to be getting to some Kyle Pitts, but I think that it is definitely a valid concern. It might uh, dampen my my ownership a little bit there. All right, so let's close with this. For the last time of the regular season, Neil, if you were playing a single-entry GPP and you can only make one stack, who would be the quarterback you go to and the pass catchers? I think with Emmanuel Sanders out, I got to go to Josh Allen, and I will go with Diggs, and I'll go with Beasley. I am going to go Taysom Hill to Deontay Johnson, save all the money, which will enable me to make some lineups where I have that stack. Then also have Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor in the same lineup. I like I like the kind of salary savings I get. Deontay Harris, super cheap on FanDuel and DraftKings. You got Taysom Hill with rushing upside. You always get a little concerned about the receiving upside for some of his pass catchers, but Deontay Harris is so cheap that I like more that, hey, maybe I get that, you know, five catches for 60 yards out of him at a really cheap price and then just enables me to pay up for a Cooper Cup. Jonathan Taylor's of the world, unlock more upside. That is going to do it for us today, guys. Thank you very much for watching Neil and I during the regular season. 
Uh, we are going to be back, I believe, for the playoffs. I haven't looked ahead to the playoffs, but I'm pretty sure because we had some note about changing around the schedule to yep. to uh, try to build around the playoff schedule. So we'll be doing this for the playoffs. But this is the last one of the regular season. Do us a favor, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thank you guys for watching this year and good luck this weekend.